Stop complaining yeah. that you're living the life that you actually always wanted to live, but now you realize it's just a little hard. Stop complaining. Yeah. There's hard everywhere. You get to choose your heart in this world. Mm-hmm. You have to choose that. So, so choose the heart. Stop complaining about the heart. Choose it. Embrace it a little bit more. If you embrace your heart more, it's going to get easier and your character is going to be more defined and you'll be more resilient and you'll be more persistent in, in that work. Hello and welcome to special edition of Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite. I'm one of the executive directors and founders here at Damascus, and I am really excited to uh, join today with Leah Darrow, who has just been an incredible missionary for the Lord, has been um, just doing like amazing missional work all over the church in America, uh, the church throughout the world. And we're just going to hear about her amazing encounter with Jesus Christ and how that encounter has led her to a life of mission. So Leah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. This is just going to be an incredible time uh, for us to chat and hear how God has worked in your life and hear how God is working in the church today. Uh, Leah, would you mind opening us in prayer today? Me? Sure. Sure, right? Go for it. All right, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, help us remember that you are Lord and not us. Help us remember how much we're loved by you. Help us seek that love over any other love in the world. And allow your love to transform every aspect of our lives, our mindset, our mission, and our vocation. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Leah, so the, you and I have something really fun in common that uh, not too many people share in common. And it's not just that we're Catholics and uh, that we, we get to travel and speak and share the gospel with um, the church, but we are also both on a reality TV show, which is pretty wild. So my reality TV show was very small. Uh, I think yours is probably a little bit more notable. Uh, but um, yeah, so the what was the reality TV show that you were on? I was on America's Next Top Model. Okay, and what was your experience with that process? Oh, that's a loaded question, Dan. I don't know if we have enough time to go into that, but well, uh, what were some of the fun, weird, crazy things that happened that you weren't expecting? Let's start there. Sure. So everything was something I didn't expect. Okay, um, there you go. Everything. I, I, you know, this is my show was when um, when reality TV really started getting traction in the TV space, and so. The real world, if people remember that one, had already aired a few seasons, and oh. that really kind of paved the road into the first reality TV show. And so soon after, um, in the early 2000s, you know, Tyra Banks puts on America's Next, Next Top Model. So this was new territory for really everybody. I think a lot of people now going into it can have maybe expect a little bit more. So really, everything was a surprise. Um, I look back on it. Uh, there's been a lot of healing I've had to honestly do from being on that show. Um, and so I have a great, have a, I have a great level of experience. I definitely leveled up in terms of dealing with 
bullies and online bullying, um, which is at my heart to this day, as I like to always speak up for the people who are being bullied in, in, in the church and in the world. Um, and so there's a lot of really great lessons I've learned. And I've learned to kind of just change the language that I use when I talk about it, because you know, beforehand and before like, you know, a mindset shift and before the healing from Christ that came in from being on a show like that and the type of show I was on. I mean, I was on a show that was um, looking at women as, as I mean, really objectifying them in every sense of the word. And we were on like raising our hands saying, please pick us to be objectified. Yeah, yeah. So like, please objectify me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's, I, I'm not putting the blame all on the show. I voluntarily signed up for this. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's questions there I had to deal with afterward. However, um, I've been able to really, uh, through healing and through Christ, be able to look back at the experiences and see so many lessons I learned, the lessons about my worth, the lessons about my boundaries that I hold now with people and friendships and relationships. Um, and then part of a lot of that stuff that I experienced on being a reality TV show and being on one that had a lot of uh, fame attached to it was uh, something that I've been able to carry into my work today not just in terms of like people knowing me for the show, because hopefully that's starting to soften and people maybe don't care so much anymore. Um, but really the lessons I've learned and what I can take into my new work that the Lord has given me. So I don't know about you, but I just feel like I learned so much about myself, but that process wasn't quick. It was a very, it was a long unfolding that the Lord had me um, in that stage. Yeah. How old were you when you were on the show? I was in my early 20s, so I was, I think I got on the show, I was like one of the older contestants, I was definitely more um, archaic uh, in terms of the other girls in the modeling industry, usually you get in like when you were like 13, 14, 15, and I yeah. believe I auditioned, like that's typically for like the general modeling world, for the reality TV show I was still one of the older ones, and I believe I was, I believe I was 24 when I was on the show, okay. 23 or 24. That's awesome. Yeah, I was 20 when I uh, did mine, and um, I initially applied for America's Next Top Model, and I didn't make it. I was really shocked. Uh, I thought I had everything going for me, and yeah. but it was just an off day. It was an off day. But uh, the I, my my show was called God or the Girl, and it was on A and E, which is not like a, a, a you know <laughs> no one really watches A and E except for old ladies that are stuck at home, and even they <laughs> probably aren't watching it. But uh, it was produced by three Jews guys and an atheist and they were like okay they were just confused of like mm -hmm. how to why would a young man ever even discern celibacy and it was around the same time early 2000s and they're like in the midst of like right post uh clergy scandal why on earth would a young man like yeah. want to uh discern celibacy in the in, in the the world today and so they they were genuinely curious about this topic and they they knew nothing about the church it was actually funny we showed up to hollywood for the um for the welcoming week and there was only four of us guys on the show and um but the as we showed up there, they all had Catholicism for dummies, <laughs> and they were all reading it like, "What? What is the church? How do we? How do we understand it?" And uh, but for me, it was a, kind of the same. Uh, it was an interesting time because the show was meant to highlight uh, discernment and um, how do we. Um, how, it was this process of young men who were discerning priesthood, and mm -hmm. but it was like you know. I found that it was impossible to discern or to pray because there was so much chaos, right? There is like, mm -hmm. you're constantly on camera. You're constantly being seen. There's it's fast paced. I was going to school. I was working in ministry. I was doing this show. And the, this, the expectation was discernment, but it was like, whoa, my soul can't even get quieted enough 
to hear his voice. Did you, did you find that as well? That like, while you were doing it, was your, what was, was your soul racing almost? Well, Dan, I wasn't following the faith back yeah. then. So no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were just doing like entering. I in. was, I was going with the flow, accepting everything that everybody gave me. Um, I had my agenda, what I wanted to do, but I had already jumped ship from the faith about 10 years before then. So I wasn't practicing my faith. Um, it's not that I was agnostic or an atheist. I, I, it's, I wasn't either one. It was kind of in this space of like, you know, I just don't like to talk about it because I've chosen something else. Like it's just, I've made a decision not to go that way that way. And I don't want to talk about that destination anymore because that's just not the choice I've made. I'm, I, I'm going this way. I'm going this way. So I, you know, I mean, and I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a dummy. I'm pretty bright. So I made sure that I surrounded myself with people who also thought the same. And so yeah. I had my community of people who thought the same and, um, didn't question anything too spiritually. Um, and, you know, you didn't think about prayer or like you're like, we, didn't, we never even said the word soul. Like I would, cause if you say the word soul, then you're, you're recognizing something deeper within you. So, wow. um, you know, I mean like the language is different for people who don't practice faith. Their language is really different. And you see this in a lot of spaces today. Um, a lot of this, a lot of Eastern spirituality influenced spaces will kind of talk about spirituality, but nothing with religion. And so they'll use different words. They will use they sometimes don't even use those words because it kind of recognizes something higher. And so for me, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I was just going with the flow and, um, there was a lot of frustration internally going on. Um, I now can see that as the workings of the Holy spirit, you know, allowing the agitation to just sit, you know, and yeah. keeping me agitated, keeping me frustrated with my life, you know, keeping me, um, in a space where I was unhappy and making me ask questions. And, uh, it, it all ended up where I began to ask the questions, but you know, it's a, it's a hard, that's a hard road where somebody who doesn't want to ask a question, cause they think they have it all figured out. And then you're trying to get them to ask questions. And you're like, I don't even want to know that. Why? <laughs> I don't care, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where I was. Which is why part of, you know, the work that I do to this day um, has those elements. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like we have these lives, we, we live these lives and we, we all go off the rails sometimes and we jump ship from whatever it is. And when you kind of come back to your senses and you start putting things back into place and you come to a place of like deeper peace, um, deeper unity with your creator, you realize that God, it's not, it's not all for naught. Like God's going to use every piece of it for your continued work. And so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing to see how we go through these things. Like we've been on these reality TV shows and they clearly are still playing a role in what we're doing today. Not just talking about them, but like our hearts are kind of aligned in this space or like we really connect with this space and with these questions or these people. And so I'm just, I'm incredibly grateful for all of it. Um, yeah. I'm grateful for every single moment of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's so interesting is that it's it's almost Leah that we can't we went in like the how the Lord uses the diversity of people and experiences mm-hmm. in the church, right? That um I had had my conversion pretty significantly around 18. And when I was mm-hmm. discerning, should I do the show or not? Um, I actually initially told them, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I went to prayer and I just, I remember very, <laughs> like a, a very keen experience in prayer under, under a tree in a field where the Lord was like, this is the new evangelization. Like you, you wanted to be a part of the, this game. You wanted to be a part of the new evangelization. I'm giving you an opportunity to, I'm giving you access to the media world. And so like, I, I almost, I went in um, already having a conversion and, and trying to bring the light of Christ into the secular media world and kind of armed and ready for battle. Mm-hmm. It's so neat that your story is almost the opposite where it was in this world that, yeah. and in that experience where you encountered the light of Christ, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that was part of your conversion. And it's just beautiful mm-hmm. no matter who you are, the Lord has a plan, right? There's an actual plan. There was a plan for me to go in into the darkness of, if you will, Hollywood for the sake of evangelization. And even you who was in the darkness of the Hollywood, the Lord had a plan for you to pull you out and and, yeah. to, and to bring you into his, into his light. And so do you want to share a little bit about your ex, um, experience with Christ and your encounter with Jesus? And uh especially like while you were doing that show and how that brought you into a new framework for the world. Yeah. So I was on top model and then I was eliminated and then I decided to stay in New York and really just take advantage of the opportunity that the show gave me. Um, you know, why go home when I can, when I'm my billboards in times square right now and my pictures on the side of taxi cabs and subways, like everywhere. The show's going everywhere. It was huge in New York, like it, they typically are. New York is kind of the epicenter for all of it. And it was huge. They really gave a lot of love to Tyra. So the show it was everywhere. And so I decided to stay and to get jobs. And I did that. I started modeling in New York, doing a variety of different things. And um, it was actually on a fashion photo shoot for this international fashion magazine which was really big for me because it was international. It was literally going to go around the world. I was going to be in it. Um, it'd be, it's just like definitely moving up in the modeling world. Um, and so I was really excited about this opportunity. I was like, okay, okay. Like this is, this is good. Like I'm being seen, I'm being known and I get there and I'm in the, you know, getting hair and makeup ready. And I remember getting in this like one position and trying to get ready for the shot. And the shark was like, okay, everybody ready. And all these people are like, you know, tending to our, tending to a lot of different things on the photo shoot. And at one point they take a Polaroid of me just to check the lighting really quickly. And they gave it to me so I could see like my pose. Cause I was going to alter something with my hand or something like that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, great. So, um, I'm doing it. I give it back. And then we start the shoot. And as I'm, you know, as we began the first shot, I looked directly into the flash of the camera, which is a rookie move. Like you look at the lens. I know you look at the lens. This is my job. And I just messed up. So I was like, oh, you know, I hold on a second. There's a lot of lights. I was blinking, trying to regain my focus. And in blinking and regaining my focus, I ended up seeing this picture of myself inside my head, which I just thought was the Polaroid that I just seen. Like no big deal. Okay. And I'm just trying to like blink as quickly as I can to focus to hurry up and give back to everybody on the photo shoot. I have, um, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So <laughs> I was so worried in the middle of that shoot that I was like taking everybody's time and 
they're not going to like me. They don't think I'm professional and I'm trying to hurry as I can so I can be exactly what they want me to be. Like, I mean, side story to this story is just the mindset and the mentality I had to have to keep it going was so incredibly destructive. And when you live your life based on what somebody else wants for you, you'll never live the plan God has for you ever. And I was doing that. Um, most people are shocked to hear this, but I never wanted to be a model. I never wanted to be a fashion model. And yet here I was a legitimate fashion model on a TV show. I'm doing it and I never wanted it. Somebody told me when I was a little girl and it was reiterated for many, many years after that, you're pretty, you should model. You're pretty, you should model. You're pretty, you should model. And I just lacked the confidence to see anything else in me that I could offer the world. Mm. And so I lived, I was living other people's dreams for me. And it always really came crashing down at this point. So as I'm blinking and trying to regain my focus, I see this picture inside my head. It's me. It's me wearing the outfit that I'm modeling. And I wasn't concerned again, because like I said, I thought it was just the picture I just saw of myself. But I had my hands cupped together at my waist. I noticed that. And I raised them up as if I was giving them to someone. And I saw out and up above me this shadowy profile of a man's face. And that's all I saw, just this shadowy profile of a man's face who looked at my hands and then he, I just, I just noticed like he bowed his head as if he was disappointed. And then, um, I pulled my hands right back down to see what was in them and they were completely empty. There's nothing in them. And then I heard five words on my heart. I heard, um, I made you for more. And I remember shaking my head and telling myself exactly no, no, you're not, you're not like, this is as good as you're going to get in life. You're not made for anything else. You're not made for anything more than this. Who do you think you are? You're not made for more than this. This is it. This is all that you want. And I heard it again. I made you for more. I heard it again. I made you for more. And then the last two times that I heard it, um, the emphasis was on the first part versus the second. And it was, I made you for more. Hmm. And then I heard it one last time. <clears throat> and, um, all of this lasted about 60 seconds. I mean, it was so, so quick, but by the end of everything and by the end of the last, I made you for more. Um, I looked up cause the photographer was actually snapping his fingers, trying to like, Leah, come on, come on, let's, let's get it back going. And I was just like, um, no, I can't, <laughs> I gotta go. And um, they're like, what? And then they started begging me to stay. Oh, no, no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, it's okay. I'm like, it's okay, everybody feels this way in the beginning. You're gonna get used to it. And I mean, they had no idea what I had just experienced. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I never wanna get used to living someone else's dream. I never wanna get used to feeling and being used by an industry that is objectifying the very gift that God has given women. I don't want to do this anymore and I'm wrong for doing it. And I'm okay to say I'm wrong and turn my butt around and walk out. Like I'm, I'm okay to start over. I don't care what yeah. you think about me. I'm going to start over and I'm going to do this thing. And so in my head, I was like, Oh, Oh no, I'm not going to get used to this. <laughs> so I was really happy that this photographer said that because it, it ignited 
a anger, a righteous anger in me. And it was, you know, pointed towards myself too. It wasn't just pointed towards this industry. I was a part of the industry. So it brought me to a place where I literally grabbed all my stuff. I walked out of the photo shoot. I walked all the way home to my apartment in New York. And I did the only thing a girl could do is I called my dad and, um, I just said, dad, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. (laughs) And there was a very long pause. And, um, my parents have been waiting for a call like this for 10 years. (laughs) And, uh, when my dad finally spoke, he just said, okay, baby, I'm coming to get you. And, um, and my dad drove 2000 miles and he came and he picked me up. He literally (laughs) stopped everything and picked me up. Yeah. And so that, that began my journey back to Christ. Um, and back to repentance and forgiveness. And then of course, it's not like I turned around the next week and was like, listen, guys, I got a story. I got to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to be mic? a Catholic speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that was never, that was never in, in the plan for me. Um, and so, you know, there was a good three years afterwards where I just dived deep into what I call spiritual rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I spent a lot of time, you know, in meditation and contemplation and prayer and reading, obviously in the sacraments and really just diving into Holy scripture and really just allowing God to heal me the way he wanted to heal me. And in the time he wanted to heal me and trust me, yeah. that's still going on, but there was a very intense time for three years. That is all I did it is all I did. That was my entire focus. And it wasn't so I could go speak later. Like I had no intentions, zero intentions. I was forced on stage for my very first speaking event by a mother who threw a microphone into my chest and said, go. Um, I had like, I was forced into this, um, by the Holy spirit, I guess. But, (laughs) and so that's just, that's kind of like, kind of like that was the whole, that's like part of the whole, you know, journey is, is the fact that the healing doesn't end. Like we have these moments where we experience truth right? Like God was speaking truth to me in the middle of that shoot. And my heart somehow, you know, there's a crack in it enough for, for me to be open to it. And for me to see the, the cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing by being in the industry, you know, like, no, everything's fine. I can be okay in it. I can be in this really terrible industry and be the good one in it. I can transform it, you know, or, I mean, I didn't actually think that I heard, I hear other people do that, but I was, I was part of the industry, like just being a part of the industry. I'm like, you guys are crazy. I'm just going to do my job, make money and go home. Um, but God uses everything, you know, he uses everything and it's nothing's ever done in our life. I think that's, what's so beautiful. And that's, what's so freeing to me. Cause sometimes we like to just have this experience and then be done with it. And God's saying, okay, well, we can put a pin in it, but we're not, <laughs> we're going to come back to that. One. <laughs> we're going to come back, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to do deeper healing with that. And we're going to, we're going to uncover more blessings from that. And so oh. that's what's so beautiful about our, our past is that Christ continues to bring it to the present for the glory of the kingdom and for the future. Yeah. What I love, what I love about your testimony, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm sure you've shared it so many times and it, I love how, when you share it, um, you could see that the Lord was making it new. And there's something mm-hmm. profound about sh- testifying. We don't just testify for the sake of uh, the one that we're testifying to. The, the Holy Spirit was active in your heart while you were sharing how God had worked. I saw it in your eyes. And um, the 
there's power when we share what God has done in our life. And so often when we're afraid to share the faith, what we're doing is we're not just hurting our mission. We're hurting the ability for God to bring back that grace of conversion in our lives. But, but you shared this, uh, the idea that you, you saw this vision and you heard his voice. And we work with thousands of, uh, of kids here at Damascus. And we teach every time, every, every retreat, every camp, we just teach very simple principles of how do you hear God's voice in prayer? Because so often we teach our kids to pray or how to say their prayers, but we don't teach them how to pray. And, um, and so we teach them that voice in your mind, that that's the voice, like God will use that vox mentis, the, the voice of your mind to speak to you, right? And just as you, uh, I have made you for more. That was the voice of the Lord using the voice of your mind to speak to you. And that's yeah. so important that we don't just write that off and say, oh, that's just me thinking to myself, or that's that's not the Lord, right? Like, and the, but that you, it, there, it's an act of faith that you held on to that, right? That you said that was the Lord's voice speaking to me. And then even the images that the Lord wants to use images uh, that uh, he He paints, the, the imagination's part of our soul. He He put the imagination in us to speak to us. That's how he, that's how he speaks to his people. And and he gave you that imaginational moment where you had this vision of yourself with your hands open and empty. And um, to be able to, even in a place where maybe you weren't like living your faith fully and abundantly, to be able to have the faith and the confidence that the Lord's speaking to me. And I think there's so much power in that. And it's so, um, I think we need to, as we teach young people and, 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 and old alike, how to hear God's voice in prayer your testimony just speaks to the simplicity by which God enters our life, that it doesn't have to be at a church event. It doesn't have to be at a um, retreat or a conference. It's in the here and now, wherever you are, the Lord wants to speak and he invades us in, in our moments uh, wherever we are to, to encounter us was um, have you, have you seen that the Lord speaks consistently in that same way as he did at the beginning of your journey, does he continue to speak in this in a similar way to you today? Yes, yes. There's there's definitely probably a different volume setting maybe on that than yeah. other times. Yeah. Um, it felt like that's because very... all the cameras aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was very loud in that photo shoot. It was it was it was uh, the volume was all the way up and it jolted my soul. Um, it is still though, the Lord still speaks obviously as he does. And, and I do listen still. So yes, it's still going on. There's that beautiful voice of the Lord that's within each one of us, um, calling us into, uh, into a deeper, um, repentance and love with him. And I think that how you recognize that voice is really important. So, you know, there's always, there's three elements that I've found when you're listening to God, that is very helpful. One, is it true? Is what this, is this thing that you're hearing that you think is from the Lord, is it true? Is it true? Um, and when I say, is it true for me, I'm also including like, how does this remain true with my life, with my vocation, with my commitments to Ricky and my children? So yeah, it might be true, but like, but I mean, I might like, I might hear a voice of like, you should really become a pilot and fly planes. Like you're, you're thinking, well, is that true? Like, I mean, I guess you technically could say, <laughs> I guess so. It's not like it's possible. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
how does that work in my life? Should I just go like leave my kids and my husband be like, I'm going to enter into flight school guys. So I'll see yeah. you in a couple of years. Like, no, that's not truth <laughs> for me. Like that's, so I mean, like you have to think about truth involving. I've been wanting to be a missionary in China by my, and I, yeah, for some reason being married with children, it's, that's probably not true yet. <laughs> right. Right. So you have to kind of make sure that the truth is is uh in, is congruent with your vocation with where you're at in life your state in life so is it true um does it bring about a holy conviction in you you know i mean i think that's the thing like for me in that moment of that photo shoot there was holy conviction it was i got to get out of here now i need to respond now this is what i need to do there was an action moment yes yes like i could tell in every fiber of my being this was the right move to make um and not checking myself with the world because the world would have said no you're crazy you ate some bad food um but you know inside like i knew this was the right move to make and you don't i think that's the mistake a lot of times people make when they're trying to listen to the voice of god is that they will talk to other people who are just as confused as they are and they're like hey i heard this thing what do you think and i'm like yeah. <laughs> Be careful of who you ask for advice from and who you share yeah. that with. I mean, we want good counsel, but you want to make sure that the counsel you're receiving is actually someone who is beyond you in experience and years. Ideally. I would even say, though, Leah, sadly, even amongst, quote, spiritual leaders in our faith, the lack of faith will sow a seed of doubt in, in the yeah. voice of God, right? And it's amazing how sometimes... Um, you, you, you mentioned God stirring something in you and you mentioned it to a priest and they try to rationalize it as opposed to ask, is the Holy Spirit at work here? Or that you, you mention it to a spiritual leader and they try to, oh, well, that's not practical. And it's like, wait, God doesn't move always in practical ways. And, right. and so I think there's, be careful, but also not just like, don't just trust every person who claims to be a spiritual leader either. Is this person no. spirit filled? Is this person living life in the Holy Spirit? And do they live in a way that's attuned to the father's voice and responds actively to the father's voice themselves? Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. So does it, it, it so it's truthful. It, it rouses a holy boldness or a holy, what did you call it? A uh, a conviction. Action, a conviction. Yeah. And then there's also the third element is that there's, there's, there's like a deep peace there. There is a deep peace yeah. that when you can rest in. you're like, no, I know. And when you experience all three, you have, you have, you, you lower your human need to have validation from someone else. Yep. So yep. when it's, is it, is it truthful for me in my state of life? Is there a holy conviction about this? Is there like a, is there an action item in here? Um, cause Christ calls us to, to, to act with him and in him. And then the third is that there's a deep peace where you can rest in knowing like, no, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And when you have those three, you, you do start to, uh, be at peace with your own actions and making your way. And you kind of like saying, well, I, I understand that you think differently, but right now this is where I'm going. And I trust that God yep. will write my path if I'm wrong. Yep. I love that. I, I love that. Those, those three keys are so rich and so valuable. I even think with that piece, like I've been in those moments where I've heard the, the Lord speak and he's asked me to do something that is, um, terrifying, right? <laughs> like, like you want, and, but there's peace. And so I may be, uh, I may be, scared um of of the unknown or the uh what lies ahead um mm -hmm. but there's a peacefulness it's like i'm not afraid there's maybe i'm scared but i'm not afraid because i'm i'm resting in the peace of christ and there's 
that there's a huge difference between that and a word that causes anxiety, right? That if there's, if there's anxiety rising up, that's a, that's a big red flag that maybe, um, maybe that's not a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Okay. So, um, this show is called beyond Damascus. We, we named it that because, um, so many in the church today, um, have those Damascus moments like Paul, where he, you have this encounter with Jesus or you have a um, profound conversion moment with Jesus, but then they stay in that Damascus moment where they jump from one conference to another conference, one retreat to another retreat, which is good. We need to go to conferences and retreats. And, um, but that, uh, that, that encounter never leads us to a life of mission. And it's kind of, it's fun because Paul's conversion is, is similar to yours where you mm-hmm. hear he, he has this image, right? He's, he's going on one path and, 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 and he's on this path and boom, he sees this light of Jesus and it's this image, right? And then he hears the voice of, of Jesus as well. Like, who are you, <laughs> right? He asked the voice and um, it's Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so there's the vision and the voice, which I think these are normal ways the Lord speaks to us, but he doesn't, he doesn't stay there. That encounter he goes, and actually it's funny, Leah, because you said this three-year journey, Paul spent about three years in Damascus with the disciples, learning the word of God, being like like uh, schooled and discipled in the Holy Spirit. And then he went on this life-changing missional journey. Um, so how did the Lord propel you into this missional journey? And you shared a little bit that the mic was thrown at you, but and maybe just it, for context, those that... Um, are new to, to who you are and the work you do in the church. Um, you're a speaker, you have a podcast, you've been all over the nation, all over the world, speaking at huge conferences. Um, you're a mom, you have, uh, six children, one in heaven as well. Uh, and so, uh, you have a coaching business now that you're rising up all these different things you're doing. Um, so clearly the Lord has used you to activate many different ministries. Um, Mm -hmm. how, how did you go from that encounter moment? to diving into the missional call? Oh, well, I think that there, I think that there's something about me that God has given me, um, to help me in that space. And I've learned it as well. There's, there's some type of raw talent God gave me. Um, and I, I seem to like to perfect on it, which is I'm not afraid to fail in front of others. I'm not afraid to fall. Yeah. I love that failing. And so favorite, (laughs) Yeah, you just gotta, you know, fail upwards, fall upwards, whatever you want to say it. But I just, I've always been of somebody who's done that. Um, and I really credit my experience, um, and the lessons I've learned from being bullied. I was bullied a lot in grade school. I was bullied in high school. I was bullied on the show, of course, and by the internet. And so there's been, I've taken a lot of hits from people and it's allowed me to not just have a heart for those who, who also experience that, but it also has allowed me to, um, to still do things. I was like, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to not agree. There's always yeah. going to be a bully. There's always going to be somebody who's like, did you hear what Leah's doing? Did you see this? Did you, I mean, so if there, if that's always, you, gonna... you mean the YouTube and the podcast comments aren't all encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no thumbs down ever. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just, 
you know, it, it's allowed me though to realize if it's always going to be there, you might as well do exactly or try to do exactly what God is calling you to do and just yeah. put it out there in the world. And so it's motivated me to yeah. that, you know, my background has motivated me to be able to try so many things. And in doing so, I've been able to start many businesses. I've been able to, you know, get married to Ricky, praise God. And we have seven kids, as you mentioned, one in heaven, six here on earth. And, um, and I've been able to have all these different businesses and help serve the Lord and serve the mission and build up the kingdom while keeping my family primary. Um, because the Lord is just, he works beautifully in my life in that way. And he's, he's also knows that if, you know, I'm not afraid to get out there and try something new and let people say what they want to say and just keep going. And yeah. the bottom line is that, um, the Lord has done amazing things through the many, um, you know, ways that he's asked me to work for him. And so through my podcast or through my book, The Other Side of Beauty, through the different conferences that I've started and done, through the Lux courses that I have, which are like bite-sized mini theology courses, um, the app that I started, um, and then with this new business that I have right now, which is more coaching, I'm, I'm offering coaching from a Christian perspective. And that's where my heart is as of late. But the Lord's, the Lord does these amazing things. And I just think that when you start stepping out and living the dream God has given you. I mean, he tells us in Jeremiah 29, like I have, I have a plan for your life, right? I have plans for your life, plans for welfare, not for woe. God has dreams for us. We should not be as Christians and as Catholics, we should not be scared of this, of these words. Like, oh, don't follow your dreams. It's selfish. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are, who's, who said that's that? That's new age. Yeah. 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 Like, why is it exactly, why is it weird and hippy dippy to follow your dreams? I yeah. think that, I think more Christians, more Catholics should be really comfortable with the word success. I think that God calls you to be successful. He wants you to be a successful disciple and he wants you to be successful in your work. Maybe you need to redefine success that I know I have for myself, but I show up with, with a, an incredible joy serving the people God gives me. For me, that defines my success. And so I want to be successful, but we get so caught up in sometimes um, laying down and being the doormat in our faith that we don't realize that God is asking us to build something with him and he's wanting you to put the work in and for you to get like, put your fears down and put also the self hate down the self hate. That is like, it's showing itself as trolling other people or saying terrible things about other people. But really what's going on is there some type of hurt and wound in you that God desperately wants to heal. And he wants you to live in a place of peace and joy. And that's possible. It's not Amen. just, it's not just for heaven. There is no, there is a level of peace and joy that we can experience on this earth with the Lord. And I think that we should be trying to, to work towards that more. Woo! Preach it girl. Preach it. Yeah. I mean, that is the, and I love it. Cause so I have a book. I don't know if you know this, it's called dream bigger and it, it's, it, it's designed to help Catholics start dreaming again, because I mean, how the heck did we build those cathedrals at first? Right. It was mm -hmm. these men and women who were like, let's like, let's build something amazing for God. And we need to be, uh, have that hunger to do something amazing for God again. And it goes back to the simplicity of you seeing that image in the studio that one day in front of the cameras of you with your hands open, the Lord spoke to you through an image and, and then he spoke to you through words. And when you become familiar with the way the Lord speaks to us and he gives you an image of like, Hey, Leah, you can, you could picture this conference that's changing people's lives. And you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 
you've spoken to me before in images, and now I can see that conference, and I'm going to go after that conference, Lord. And that fearlessness to fail is so beautiful, Leah, because it's, I think the reason you have a fearlessness to fail, and I, I, I was, I tell our campers this and our, our these, the youth that we work with all the time, I'm like, listen, you're going to evangelize. You're going to try to share the gospel with someone and they're not going to receive you. You're going to invite someone to a church event and they're going to say no. You're, you're going to plan a retreat and it's going to suck. Like you will do something and it will suck, right? Uh, but the the reason you're able to fail, the reason I feel like I'm, I, 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 I'm fearless of failure is because I live under the Father's affirmation and you live under the Father's voice. And when you hear the Father's voice so clearly in your life, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Like mm-hmm. when, when failure comes, you just say, okay, dad, was that? What's up? And he's like, you are my well-beloved son. You're my well-beloved daughter with whom I'm mm-hmm. well-pleased. And it, it doesn't, the results don't matter as much no, as- and there's- this affirmation. There's so much learning too, Dan, right? Like that's the point. Like, you know, when I first put together my first conference, um, you know, it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm used to speaking at other people's conferences, but I'm going to do my own. And I learned so much by doing it. And the fact is I would, there's no book there's no conversation. There's no paid consultation I could have gotten <laughs> that would have taught me what I learned in doing something. And then the next time I do it, it's going to be even better. And so a yeah. lot of times when we think about our mission, when we think about works that we're going to do for the Lord, we put way too much time and effort thinking about the end result of your first time. No, think about like, okay, God's given you a mission. He's given you a job. He's given you a business. He's given you a family, whatever it might be. Don't think about how it's going to look, look in a year. How will this develop in five to 10 years? What is the bigger outcome? And we don't play the long game enough. We play the short game and we lose every time. So yep. you have to look through the turn in your life. This was yep. a phrase that was mm-hmm. given to me in driver's ed. I remember Coach Sumner at Eureka <laughs> High School. He is oh the he, he is the I'm calling him out. He is the big football coach at that time. And he, of course, for some reason, all the football coaches also taught driver's ed. There's a weird yeah, connection yeah. there. I don't know. <laughs> or the why. wrestling coaches, either football or wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that was their their talent, but that's what they did. And <laughs> this big muscly football coach, varsity football coach. I'm in driver's ed in high school. And he puts, as I'm driving and I'm, I'm driving and I can see that the road, the road's going to like slowly like turn towards the left, but I'm just looking straight ahead. Like I'm playing the short game in my driving. So then it like, you end up jerking the wheel each time. And his big thing is look through the turn. He finally took his hand and he like palmed my head and he made my head turn And I thought he was going to make me crash because I'm like, my head is not completely straight on this straight line. He's like, you're not going there. You're going over there. (laughs) Yep. And your head has to turn towards that. And so you like the scripture tells us if you have one hand on the plow and you look back, you are not worthy of the kingdom of God. We have to learn to look through the turn of our life. We have to play the long game and what we're doing with our dreams, our goals, our plans. And there's going to be plenty of mistakes along the way. We're not saying that there's not, we're just saying, great, learn from it so that you don't do that again the next time. And that goes for not just, you know, profession and, and businesses and stuff, but it goes through our parenting. It goes through going through life and just mistakes and sins and everything else. Like, okay, I tried that. Not going to do that again. And you move forward, but 
looking through the turn in your life, playing the long game, it's just so imperative to being able to have that successful life with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, when the Lord chose David, it, he, he saw Samuel saw his brother and he's like, oh, this, this surely is the anointed one of God. And the Lord said, no, it's not because uh, the Lord doesn't look at outward appearances. He looks at the heart. And I think it's that those conferences, you learn more than you could in a training on how to lead a conference. It's because it, it, looking through the turns of life, all of that, the conference plan, it's, it's your character. And you can't learn character in the classroom. Mm. Character is forged in the crucible. And the, it's it's character that really is what prepares us for mission. And I, I love St. Paul. And it's just like, man, the guy rolled up his sleeves and just fought, right? He just was like, I'm all in for, for, for advancing the kingdom, no matter what, no matter what. And, and, and I, I love, I, I'm just honored by, by your ministry, Leah, and I'm honored by your missional work because um, you have that grit that is so mm -hmm. important in the church of like, um, it's not easy. Right. And I think sometimes that is uh, a dream doesn't come about without hard work. It's different than fantasy. Right. And so that and the fact that you are a mother and the fact that you're um, a, an entrepreneur and a witness to so many and and engaging in so many different spheres of influence. I know there's moments where you roll up your sleeves and say, I'm going to work hard. Yeah. How how. How is it, if, if I want to be a, an effective missionary disciple, as we talk about, how does hard work and missionary discipleship go hand in hand? Oh, I have so many things to say, Dan. Gosh, um, I should I should do a master class on this, I think. <laughs> I would love to, at least. Okay, so tell me the question again. Tell, tell me the question again. How does hard work and missionary discipleship go hand in hand? Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say is stop complaining. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's not a prophetic word. <laughs> you, you want to be prophetic, not pathetic, right? <laughs> yeah. So we need to stop complaining. Stop complaining. Stop complaining yeah. that you're living the life that you actually always wanted to live, but now you realize it's just a little hard. Stop complaining. Yeah. There's hard everywhere. You get to choose your heart in this world. Mm -hmm. You have to choose that. So, so choose the heart. Stop complaining about the heart. Choose it embrace it a little bit more. If you embrace your heart more, it's going to get easier and your character is going to be more defined and you'll be more resilient and you'll be more persistent in, in that work. But what I see in missionaries that could, they could really use a little extra on them is stop complaining about it. And then watch your language, watch the words you say to yourself, watch the words that you say to others. Uh, sometimes, we don't realize that there's something going on inside of our heads. There's a little script that continues to play, a narrative that continues to play that is not actually helping us achieve our goals and be successful in this world. And so you, we, we need to be careful and at least be accountable to what those words are that are playing in our head and then the ones that we say to ourselves or to others aloud. So be careful. Watch your language. Um, stop complaining and embrace the hard. Um, and then, you know, oh, last, yeah. last and final thing I could say is that it's not about you. Stop <laughs> being so selfish. What? It's, it's I thought not... Christianity was about me and yeah. the fuzzy oh, feelings. Oh God. <laughs> right. Um, I love that. It's just, it's not about you. 
It's not about you. Life is about service. I'm sorry. I don't care how you cut it, how you slice it, what you call yourself, what church you belong to, or if you don't belong to any church at all, it doesn't matter. Life is about service. We're serving someone and we're serving something all the time. So when you start placing the right order in your life of priorities and that the self is not necessarily number one, you end up experiencing a little bit more joy, a little bit more happiness because you start serving other people. You start listening to others, actually, and listening to what they need or what, what's going on in their heart and their life. And when you really listen, then you figure out how that you can serve them best. And it's not always about telling them what you think. You know, it's just life is about service. And I think that yeah. um, we forget those tenets so quickly, especially when we get into the work for the church. There's just this whole area where we, we lack professionalism completely in church work. It's like, well, we're this is the church, so we'll do everything for free. Or this is the church, we'll just cancel on them last minute. Or this is the church, we don't need to make that event really great. Like, it, it, Jesus will take care of everything. No, Jesus wants you to work. Yeah. He wants you to yeah, make he wants this. You to work hard. Yeah, he wants you to make this as best as you can with the resources you have. So, are you employing all of those, or are you just sitting back and making and going halfway on it because you think, oh, it's fine, it's, just, it's it's for the church. Yeah, I mean, it's like the oh Lord save us from complacent church workers, right? Just this this over and, and it's 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 both and right. On the one hand, you got a bunch of complacent church workers and and church volunteers who don't desire excellence and they have no vision for excellence. And on the other hand, you have laborers in the vineyard vineyard who are laboring apart from the vine because they they're laboring 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 and they're not spending enough time so that instead they're they're burning out as opposed to burning brightly and that that balance of okay i'm going to rest in the lord and i'm going to labor for the lord and it's it's just both and i'm going to rest in him and labor with him and this 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 lifestyle i think what's your end game and i love this idea of like when you were sharing that vision of your hands empty. I was just thinking of like, wow, like I, I mean, everything you've done for the Lord and everything I've done for the Lord is dust (laughs) before him, right? All of our good works are merely dust before him. Um, but, uh, but to go before him and what's it going to be like when I go before him on the last day and I'm not going to be putting up, Hey, look, Jesus, I started Damascus and I, I had this many missionaries and we had this many campers and I spoke at this many, like, that's not, that's not what we bring before him. But, but the character I have and the, the, the blood, sweat and tears I've laid on the field of battle for him, I get to bring that to him. And I just can't wait. I mean, the, the, one of my like one of my initial conversion moments was that realization when Jesus, I saw Christ crucified and he gave every drop of his blood and every beat of his heart and every breath of his lungs. And I was, he was like, I gave, I poured it all out. I let, I, I gave everything for you, Dan. And that moment of like, wow, like that's when I come before you, that's what I want to look like. I want to look like you on the cross so that I can look like you in the resurrection. And that I want to just be one who poured it all out. And it's those moments where we get selfish. And I was just in prayer time this weekend, like asking myself, man, has, has, has selfishness creeped in again, Lord? And, and how can I position myself to be readily ready to serve all the time that life is service, as you say? That's beautiful. So Leah, what is your, I want to ask you two questions, okay? Um, 
First question I want you to think about is, uh, what's the status of the church today in America? What are you seeing in the people? As you minister to young people, adults, I think we're all pretty similar. What, what's the pulse on what the church needs today? And then the second question I'll ask again later is, uh, what's your heart for the church today? And, th- and the two may go hand in hand. So like, what are you seeing and what's your heart breaking over? And what do you want for the church today? So what I'm seeing is um, challenges around resilience and challenges around mindset. So youth and adults, it's uh, mostly in youth, though, I see more of the challenge being resilience. They haven't been taught the skill of resilience. Um, and that's very alarming. Uh, without resilience, if they fall, when they fall, what's going to get them to the place where they come back and they get up, they come back to church, they come back to the faith, you know? Um, and so without that, without opportunities for difficulty and opportunities for hardship, we don't learn that resilience. So how do we teach that to our youth? Well, maybe, you know, stop coddling every ounce of their life, (laughs) giving everything all the time. In fact, find ways to give more responsibility and expect more from them. Um, And so they'll rise to the occasion, but they'll only rise to whatever the occasion is of the bar that you set. We've set those standards low because we think out of kindness or charity, I don't want to put too much on them. There's a lot that they're going through. Humans have been made to surpass expectations. And so we need to, like, we need to raise the bar. Um, And as adults, we need to do that for the youth that we work around and with until they have the strength to raise their own bar. Amen. So, and believe in, believe that they can, that their potential is far greater than what we often assume a young person can do. That they they can do hard things. They they can can do hard hard things, but they won't know that Dan, unless we give them the opportunity then they prove it to themselves because it can't be talk therapy. It can't be like, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. Great. We've all heard that. But until you know, you can do a hard thing. Then how do you know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, you have to allow. We have to pr- create opportunities for hard things for them to for them to actually prove themselves and do the thing. I mean, I remember uh, one of the hard things I did was give birth. You know, um, <laughs> I, I did that too. Oh no. yeah, yeah. Some no. people might say so. <laughs> that's one hard thing you got over me. <laughs> yeah, I'll never so do that. It's one of those things where, like, the, at that point, it was a new level of a standard I set for myself. Where I was like. Oh, oh wait, no, I can do anything now. No, yeah. I, I think I, anything God gives me, I know I can do. There's no ounce <laughs> of me thinking anything less. Like there is no imposter syndrome about me when it comes to that. Because yeah. God <laughs> you showed walked out of the hospital a little more confident. I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, you have no idea what I just went through. Uh-huh. Um, or at least I thought that, you know I mean? But so <laughs> ev- everybody has moments like that. And so we cannot rob our youth of these moments where they prove to themselves with the Lord that they can do hard things. Yeah. We cannot rob a, these opportunities of, of chances for it to be resilient. It's I love that. We, we started a new program this year because we saw, I mean, 
our, our campers, one, one thing I always am concerned about is I never want our youth ministry to become consumeristic, where kids come, but they're not equipped for mission, right? Where they receive, but they're only receivers and they're not, they're not uh, laborers. And so we started a program called uh, Youth Leadership Institute, and the young people are, it's high schoolers who they choose a mission project, and they define the scope of the project, whatever it is, but they're choosing a mission. It could be a mission in their school, uh, a mission in the secular world, a mission for justice, a mission for evangelization, a mission in their parish. And then our missionaries accompany them to coach them and to train them in that missional work. But this is your project, and they succeed, they fail, they try, they learn, and it's it's beautiful because they're accomplishing things and they're doing things that they had no idea they could do. And, and there's a mentor walking by their side and you actually see Jesus doing this. He, he commissions us as his disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to take the gospel to the nations, like impossible task for the natural human being to, to accomplish. And he sends them out and they start casting out demons. And then they come back and sometimes they're like, hey, they're casting out demons in your name, but they aren't followers of you. He's like, they're good to go. They're not against you, right? Or, hey, that demon didn't get cast out. And he's like, only with prayer and fasting will that demon get cast out. Like he's coaching them. He's training them as they try to accomplish the dreams in their life, as they look through the turn. He, he's there and he's coaching and he's training. And, and I, I think that's probably your heart for coaching, right? You want to see yes. people... Uh, you want to see people accomplish what God's asking them to do and their God-given potential, but they they need someone accompanying them in that. Yeah, I mean, just it, coaching is a form of discipleship in a way. Um, yeah. And the coaching that I do it has a Christian foundation, so it's all scripturally based. But yeah, that's what I do, and that's what I love doing about this. And this is the work that the Lord's been moving me into over the past couple of years and kind of doubling down now where I am. I mean, this year is that my first year, honestly, of doing something new and we're going out there and I'm doing this. And, you know, there's, there's lots of comments from lots of people in the whole world having lots of opinions about it and they can, they can continue having opinions. I'm going to continue doing the work. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's this, it's this thing because what I've been seeing, you talked about how, like, what are the things that we've been seeing? One of the things is one of the problems and challenges we have going on in, in, in the people of the church and people in the world, what they're struggling with is one resilience. And then two is mindset. Um, and what I love about coaching is that it allows it allows me to help you know work with people because typically there's this big boulder that's in the way of the path. There's these or these many stumbling blocks, so to speak, yeah. and they just need to be moved out of the way. They need to be acknowledged and move out of the way so that people can go and do the thing that God is asking them to do. I'm not coaching people into like their vocation or like the mission that they have in their life. I'm just getting them so that the path is clear so that they can walk or run with the Lord. And that's what coaching does, especially coaching with the Christocentric foundation, which is so incredibly important in coaching because, you know, in the, in the world of personal development, typically what you see in secular personal development is that you, you start with the self, you work on the self, and then at the end, you're somehow a different self. Like, it's like you are the agent of change, but you're also the, the, the change that's also going on. And it's just, it's, it seems kind of silly. Like, it's a lot of self-talk, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Although there's great elements to a lot of it. So I've taken all the beautiful elements of personal development that are already present and already working and are already true and backed by science, backed by biology, backed by how God has created us to be. Um, and then it was quite easy to find all of the scriptural roots for everything. And you're like, yes. Um, basically, if you call yourself a Christian, you've entered into the greatest 
personal development program on the planet. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> that is what Christ does, right? He transforms, you know, he, he makes all things new. We want personal development. We want coaching because we're like, I know that there's something that I can do. I know that there's something good there. I, I'm stuck though. And I can't get out of my own way. And sometimes you just need help um, through with someone else or going through some practices and learning some new skills to be able to get to that space of like, okay, now I'm going, now I know where to go. And now you can also manage some of the problems that we have with our mindset. As I mentioned, mindset's a big thing. There's so many people, there's so many, especially women that I encounter who really have a mindset of just like, I don't have time. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. There's no way this is going to work for me. Um, and those all are rooted in something. They're rooted in, in, in a belief that's really a disbelief in themselves and yep. or in the power of God. Yeah. I was uh, right before uh, you and I started chatting today, I was teaching our missionaries in our formation program about uh, just what it means to have our identity as anointed priest, prophet, and king. And man, if like to be clothed with the anointing of Christ is such a dramatic statement of faith that like we can literally accomplish the work of Jesus and greater works than these because we have his anointing. And I asked them Galatians chapter two, verse 20, St. Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And I asked him, I, I guarantee you've done this in your mindset before where you say, I hope to get there someday. And the reality of Christianity isn't that I may strive and earn my way to get there someday where it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's the statement of our baptism that it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This isn't a future far off thing I have to grasp at. It's something I already have as his son, as his daughter. And when we know, when we have the mindset of who we are as his sons and daughters, it, and that mindset is healthy and it's strong and it's secure and the voice of the enemy is defeated and destroyed and the voice of the world is muted and quieted. Like the ability to walk into the purposes he has for us is, 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 is beautiful and frightening at the same time. It is powerful. And that's why he says, I'm going to clothe you in power. I'm going to clothe yeah. you in power. And you're going to, you're going to be like the greatest self-help ever. You're clothed with power and you're going to, Bring the gospel to the nations. Amen. I and love we, it. Our dreams should, our dreams of the Lord should scare us. They yeah. should yeah. frighten you. You're like, whoa, I don't think I can do that. And he's like, I know you can't. That's the yeah. whole point. Um, with me, you, you can though. And it doesn't have to be perfect because we know that we bring actually all of our imperfectness to the Lord and he reworks that. And so that's, you know, that's why I named my program Power Made Perfect, because we want to fight this idea of like, it's all going to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. Like, no, 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 no. The power is from Christ and he makes all things in us just right. And so, Amen. you know, that is what Christ has said to us. And he says that in that scripture, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, you know, yeah. for your weakness is made perfect in my power. And so it's just, that is kind of where... <laughs> We need to step into a little bit more. We need to step into that space of like, would Christ want me to think this way? Or are these the words that Christ would say to me? And if they're not, what, what would Christ say to me? How can I change my mindset? If there's something that's going on that's on repeat over and over and it's not helping you, it's not it definitely um, not bringing you peace. Ask yourself if Christ would say it to you. And if not, how would he rephrase that? And how would he speak truth, a comforting truth to you? Yeah. Amen. I, I love, uh, I love, I love what you're saying. I think the, 
Oh, the, the spiritual life is so exciting um, because on the one hand, we have this reality of hard work that we're talking about, that to be a missionary disciple is, is that I'm going to work hard. I'm going to put myself into this. And I, I can like I'm, I, every day I'm showing up. On the other hand, everything is dependent on him. And to grow in the spiritual life where I'm abandoning totally, to, I'm abandoning myself totally to the providence of Christ and depending his grace is sufficient, total dependence on him. And at the same time, laboring with this desire for growth and and, and and excellence to bring those two together. It's just, it's exciting because it's this mystery that just leaves you on your knees at looking up at, at God's greatness. Like this is an adventure. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah, the, I, I'm, I'm honored by, by your work. And I think you're just such a beautiful missionary for the Lord. And thank you for that, uh, sincerely. And, uh, I love that um, some of the comments and some of the voices aren't always cheerleaders because uh, that just uh, the Lord says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the kingdom of God is theirs. And so the kingdom of God is going to be manifested more fully in your ministry um, because you're listening to his voice and not always to the voice of the crowd. Um, I want to ask one last question, if that's OK, because I think it's really valuable. Um, one of my favorite things about Catholicism is our call of the Christian laity. And you and I, a lot of our missional work is within the church, um, but the Christian laity are called to be the leaven in the world, as we say, or the light in the darkness. And the Lord has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could take the Spirit of God into every strata of humanity, arts, entertainment, business, politics, medicine, uh, education, you name it, we're called to bring God there. Um, One who left the the, the world of um, modeling or the industry, as you said, one who left the industry, how, how would you speak to the person who is laboring in the world, right? Because we need people as, as, as laborers in the world. Um, what would you speak to them now at this point in their life? I, I, I'm in the secular world. Maybe it's Hollywood and, or the modeling industry in New York, whatever. Or maybe it's just, man, I'm a business person or I'm a, doc, like a, 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 I'm a doctor or I'm a teacher at a public school. Like, how would you equip them more fully to be the light in the, the darkness of our world? Hmm. So are these people, this, in this question, are these people who are um, already faith-based and in the world? Or? Yeah. Yeah. These, these are our disciples who um, we can't all, I guess we can't all leave the industry, if you will. Right. Some of us have to remain in the world. As Most of us, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so what is our, what is our coaching or what's our, what's our hope for them? How can they succeed and win? Uh, well, I can tell you what I, something I did that was very helpful to me in my work before I left. I mean, I left the industry and keep in mind, I did, I went back and I just got a job in my town, hometown and it was not anything to do with ministry work or anything like that. So, and in that work, it was in the field of neuropsychology. Actually, that's, that's what I have my, um, degree in. And so I was working in neuropsych and, um, you know, definitely in the world, like, you know, working in the world, but still like faithful and trying to get back to my faith and trying to, you know, still be in this process of spiritual rehabilitation. But one thing that I did that transformed my work and ended up paving a beautiful way to this new work, um, ironically, but uh, it was, it was inspired by Mother Teresa, who said that every single person, I read read something about this, that 
every single person that she met, she would um, on purpose uh, spend a few seconds before she would greet them and just purposely see Jesus in them. So in her mind, she would just say, no, this is Jesus. Like this is, this person is Jesus. And then she would talk to that person as if it was really Jesus. And she would treat that person as if it was really Jesus. And you see the impact of her work, obviously, all throughout the world. And I remember in working in my field of neuropsych, that's what I began doing. I would have patients that I would see. I was working underneath a neuropsychologist, and I would see these patients before the doctor would, and um, I would just say, no, this is Jesus. So I was, it, it was, I was very eager then to say, can I get you a drink of water? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Um, all right, we're going to go through this. And I would talk to them with gentleness and with sincere care. And I really began to do this every, with every patient, every person I saw. And so I would encourage people, if you're in the world and that you're working in the secular world and you're not in ministry, there's also a blessing to that as well. I, you know, I, I don't think we should glorify like, yeah, too bad. Cause it's really good over here. Cause that's, that's not <laughs> always the case. Um, so you are exactly where God has called you to be. And the people he's called you to be with, like God will, is going to bring you a certain group of people, a different group of people every single day. And he's asking you to love them as he loves them. So if that works, or if it works just by looking at them and really saying, I'm going to treat this person as if they are Jesus, like walking in front of me right now. How does that work when you are talking to the people in your work or the people in your home or, um, you know, if you're a mom and you've got small kids running around and you're doing such important work of yeah. being there and sweeping the floors and, and changing the diapers and making the meals and putting kids down for naps and being the referee for the fights and trying to figure out where you found something because you just put it down and it's gone now. Um, you're exactly <laughs> where God has called you to be. And the people Amen. that he's called into your life, he wants you also to to um, to realize that that they are Christ as well. And then allow them to be Christ to you. Like allow them to uh, like receive their kindness if it was, as if it was Jesus's kindness he's giving you. That hug yeah. from your kids, that's a hug from Christ. You know, yeah. the thank you from your kids, that's a thank you from Jesus. And so I think that just changing the way that we look at people and understanding and trying to see their best and then give our best can, can really uh, change the culture around us. Amen. I love that. Thank you so much. Okay. So we have a lot of, um, we have a big, uh, huge community of uh, camp moms and, uh, and young adult women and stuff like that. I'm assuming is your coaching, it's primarily for um, older women. Is that correct? It's for everybody. Actually, we have men and okay. women inside the program. Oh, great. I'm sorry I think, for that. I think that people, um, typically people, you know, women really enjoy coming to hear me talk and chat. So I think I, I you know, I probably bring in a little bit more women than other people, um, but all are welcome. We have, we have a few college age kids. We have a lot of young professionals. We've got a lot of moms um, and we have a really large group actually this time around um, about 30% are um, 50 and older. So that's pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah. Great. Praise the Lord. So if uh, someone's listening today and they want to learn more, how can they find out more? Yep. You can just go to my website, leahdarrow.com. You'll be able to check out the coaching program that I now have called Power Me Perfect. You have all the details there. And then we're launching our new class opening up at the end of the year. So if you're looking to like, you know, start the year off with a Christ-centered approach to your life, then you can be a part of our program and you can get on the wait list. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And I love the, I actually, I love how you say 
discipleship is coaching and coaching is discipleship because the coach always desires the kids on the team to, to outperform them, right? Like I win if you win. And so the, the goal is that I'm getting out of the way so that you can have victory. And that's the key. So like, if you're, if you're like, Hey, I want victory in my life, like check this out because Leah's there to help you become everything you want to be so that you can be victorious in Christ Jesus. And so Leah, thank you for your work, uh, of what you've done for the church. Thank you for labor in the venue. Thank you for your motherhood, um, and for your the witness to marriage. And, uh, you've been listening to beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. And we, um, want to just encourage you to, uh, roll up your sleeves and, and serve the Lord as a missionary and have someone help you and accompany you along that path so that you can become everything God wants you to be. Join us next week on Beyond Damascus. Thank you.